Hey friends, happy Thursday. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Uh, today's sponsor is one that I'm super familiar with and I have personally worked with to partner over a dozen campuses. Listen, I'm also quick to refer to them when other churches reach out and have problems or issues around portability. My friends over at Portable Church Industries, they sell entire audiovisual lighting kids, community storage systems, but more than that in this season, they're helping portable churches like yours with coaching consulting as you're looking to reopen. What they truly provide for you is a crafted approach to portability that increases guest engagement, volunteer ret- retention, and a system that makes it easy for you to launch or relaunch or reopen multiple strong campuses. Listen, launching Portable allows you to launch fast at a low cost. The team at Portable Church helps make it sustainable and fun. Listen, I want you to go over to portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary to learn more and to find resources tailored to portable multi-site campuses. Again, listen, that's portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary to learn more and to find resources tailored to your church as you're thinking about portable multi-site churches. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in today. Super excited to have you. You know, every week we try to bring you a church leader that we think uh, will really help you encourage you, inspire you, inform, equip, all that. And this week is no exception. Super excited to have Tony McVickers with us. He is from Rockfish Church, a multi-site church, two campuses in North Carolina. This is a fantastic church you should be tracking along with. Pastor Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Rich, for having me. And I want to say this, man, thank you so much for doing what you do. I, I, when you when you guys first contacted me, I started listening to your podcast. I'd heard it sporadically, but I became a kind of m- much more of a student. And I'll be honest with you, man, you, you're you on the tip of the spear. You're inspiring people. You're bringing people together and networking. I just really, really appreciate what you do. Yeah, well, that's super encouraging and a little bit humbling. I'm blushing here. You must be my other listener. I always joke if someone says, you know, they're, they listen to the show, I'm like, well, I, I, my mom is one and you must be the other. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, uh, encouraging and, and, and tuning in and being a part today. I'm, I'm excited to share a bit of the, the story. Why don't we start with, tell us about Rockfish Church, uh, you know, maybe a bit of the history, a bit of the flavor, that kind of thing. Oh, wow. We, um, we are a, a multiracial church, multicultural church, uh, Christ being the main culture here, but we're located in, in Fayetteville, North, or just outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina, near a little base called Fort Bragg. And that is kind of how our story began. We had um, been around, been in business for many years, uh, 15 or 20. Uh, I actually uh, moved into the su- uh, senior pastor uh, position. This is going into my second year. So uh, welcome, mm. welcome to the jungle for me kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yes. it, it's been great. The church has been growing. We deal with a um, internationally minded group of people, people from all over. So you talk about uh, a cultural montage of people from all over the world. Huh. It, it has its right. challenges, but it also holds some incredible opportunities because we are able to connect and equip and send people all over the world and do some amazing things because they're, they're just here for a time. Um, interesting thing is uh, we have to grow by 25% just to stay 
uh, normal. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's fun. There's so much turnover with Fort Bragg and absolutely just military. military culture and all that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. They they think. Yeah. And and the the agility with which we have to you know connect and then you know help them grow because it's just it's just a matter of time before they're going to be dispersing somewhere around the world or around the United States. So it, it's one of the interesting you know dynamics that that make it a little different here at Rockfish. But you know what it is. It's incredibly. It's fun to work in the kingdom. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, that's a part of the reason why I think um, it's going to be a great conversation for church leaders to listen in on today, uh, because we may not, our, our communities may not have the kind of turnover that you've got, but we're all thinking about this whole area of engagement, right? We're thinking about how do we get people engaged? And I can't imagine this, you know, kind of treadmill that you find yourself on to try to get people engaged. I think we can all learn from that. When you think about this whole, you know, we've been talking about this in so many contexts, really moving people from just attending to engaging, um, what, what kind of, how do you frame that conversation for yourself and for your team? Uh, what does that look like for you at Rockfish? Um, honestly, you know, the conversation has really changed. I mean, you know, it's, it's great. It's good, but it's not just engagement here. It's not just engagement, you know, with everything that's happening in front of us. It's, it's engagement with, with uh, the online now. How do we continue to engage with people online? It, it used to be, I'm going to say it used to be simple. It wasn't, okay? <laughs> but but, uh, but we we frame it this way. We have a we have to be three things. I'll just I'll just keep this simple. One, actually four things. One, I believe a powerful presence and we always remind us and I just assume most of the people listening are, are church people, pastors or leaders within, you know, church organizations, but having the presence of God gives us the wisdom and the agility to be able to course correct. Uh, for us, when it comes to engagement, we have got to stay on our P's and Q's because we can't assume the people who are here that we're trying to engage have been here and know what's available. Just a lot of things. So one, we have to have a compelling purpose, a compelling purpose that we keep before the people all the time. I think that's a no brainer too. We have to have obvious opportunities and and that's a little, it's a, we can get nose blind on that. And the, and the third one, which is which is kind of controversial, <laughs> um, and <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's intentional preparation. And when when I say that, that is something that has to be designed individually. That's something that 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 has to work for each organization. And I think we know that. But when I say a compelling purpose, a compelling purpose means that if it's worth doing. It's worth doing no matter what. It's worth doing sacrificially. And, and, and you know this. Many of us know this. The why is the most compelling force in our culture now. If your purpose is optional, I'm going to tell you, pick a better purpose. Because if people, if people, if <laughs> why are you doing this? Yeah, if, there are easier if, things to do in life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if people think what they're doing is something they could they could not do and still be okay, then you know what? That purpose, get rid of it. And our purpose, I just, uh, man, I'm super committed to the purpose. But Fired up about it. Yeah. yeah, when when we began to encounter, uh, I'll tell you the power of that is when we begin to encounter obstacles associated with the COVID nineteen and the other stuff. I, I felt as if God were speaking very clearly to me. He said this. And when I say this, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, okay? So, But I do mean I felt very strongly in my spirit that God was saying, lead in, not through these challenges. Because very often we run into stuff and we're like, we're going to put our heads down and we're going to get through this. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what I want you to do. So I gathered the staff. And we begin to focus clearly on our purpose. And this is when you, this is a little late in the game to find out, you know, if your purpose is, is worth it or not. And I, I asked, how do, <laughs> I said, how do we stay? become or expand our missional engagement. And, and not just for the staff, but for all of our members as well. So we began immediately to pinpoint our failures. And they were, there were many 
I mean, there were obvious people and entire people groups that we were missing. So I was like, oh man, we got to pinpoint our failures. And and I'd love to say I didn't have a bunch of them, but there were a bunch. And two, we began to analyze, and this was kind of tough. We analyzed our current resources and abilities and we had to do some asset reallocation. Um, there were certain mm. things that we, and we were ahead of the curve in a lot of areas. We've been growing for a while. We do, you know, online, we do a lot of the stuff that everybody else does, but we had to really sit down and analyze our resources and see how can we use our current stuff and what do we need to get? Right. What and, do we need to change? Yeah. What do we need to change? What do we need to get? What do we need to start doing? And and the third was yeah. we, 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 um, we pointed to the purpose and right. we just, you know, purpose produces passion and passion is, is that's what really leads to action. And so right. we really just drilled down uh, in that and found out, you know what? Our stuff is worth doing no matter what. And how are we going to continue to do it no matter what we face? Man, and the team was on board and they were stoked about it. So, yeah, that's great. How, when you, when we think of this idea of communicating a compelling purpose, what would you say has been particularly effective on the communication front on keeping that in front of your people? Um, are you weaving that into your messages? What does that look like? How, how are you actually attempting to try to keep that purpose in front of people consistently? that's the same challenge with the, with the purpose as you face with the opportunities. Um, because, you know, because we, how do you keep opportunities constantly fresh? How do you keep compelling purpose constantly fresh? One, well, like a lot of churches, we do sermon series, of course, you know, that's kind of a no brainer. Um, but keeping that purpose is we, we do that by engaging we engage personally. And what, what do I mean by that? I, I remember saying to our leaders, I was like, guys, listen, if it is, and, I, and when I say this, I mean leaders. I, I don't, I mean, this is the, the elders, the deacons of the church, uh, ministry leaders, myself. It's like, guys, there's a time when we're not sitting back coaching and directing people. There are times when the kings have to get on the field and go to war, so to speak. And, mm-hmm. and that mentality is, is, it's, it's one thing for for you to co- for you to um motivate but when you begin to model purpose and and I'm just going to tell you brother it's tiring I am sitting here with right. bags under my eyes I'm going to lie to yeah. you but there's a time when we have to get off the bench and we have to lead by example and you talk about keeping it and if the mission is not motivational if it's not motivating you it's not going to motivate anybody. So yeah, keeping that thing. And, you know, of course there's, there's the signage in your church. There are all the simple, obvious things that we do, but very often we get tired of hearing it and we assume, well, other people are tired of, tired, tired of hearing it as well. But any seasoned leader knows you have to keep that before the people all the time. Um, the same thing with the opportunities. Uh, you know, yeah, let's hear about that. I, I love this idea of kind of lots of opportunities, putting, getting, um, you know, a wide array. I think so many churches, we, we, we stumble in this department because we have, it's like, you have two jobs. It's like either handout programs or like bulletins uh, or be an elder. It's like, that's it. It's, and, and, and that's a problem there. We need a full spectrum. How are you doing that? How are you increasing opportunities for folks at your church? Very dangerously. Um, I was, I was talking to, I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to a young leader the other day and, and incredible guy. He had been in his position nine months before all of this hit right out of seminary right into a church and, and I'm meeting with him. And uh, I was like, man, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry you do this. I said, but I want you to understand something. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not telling you I'm safe. Uh, and and I'm just not. But obvious opportunities are opportunities that that seek you out. So it takes a little bit of a paradigm shift. I'll, I'll talk about it in just a second. But just because we see them and we're often compelled by them, it doesn't mean that other people 
are seeing them. It doesn't mean they're being compelled by them. So, so how do we help bring opportunities from a place of obscurity to a place of prominence? That's the question. And one, I, I think, is very important. And we've embraced this, and this is, this is not safe, but it's adjusting to the felt needs. It's helping people make the missional paradigm shift to see needs as opportunities. And these are obvious opportunities. And they're not just something that we present, but something that we help people see. It's in essence a missional empowerment. See, I believe that we are dealing with cultural activists. I believe that this generation, the young folks that we're dealing with, a lot of people that we engage with, they're activists by nature. They want to do something. Mm. But how do we really help them, one, to see every single every single um uh, need as an opportunity. Suddenly, then it's not something that's happening in the church. It's not something that we're killing ourselves trying to trying to present and come up with stuff for people to do. Because, man, you can wear yourself out. And that's doing stuff in the box very often, but we're not in the box right now. Um, so this is, this is not neat. It happens with empowerment. And that's why it's so messy. It won't happen without agility. Most churches, most leadership that traditionally has has been way too controlling for this to work. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, somebody comes to me with an idea. It's like, tag, you're it. Okay, go. <laughs> the um, Something that we had to do functionally was set up something called, we call it Rockfish Church Blitz. Now, this is an internal mechanism, but what it does, it allows any ministry leader at any time, if they have an idea for outreach or they have an idea for something they want to do in their small group, they are able to, with very, very little bureaucracy, um, launch a an event or launch something that's going to get the word out about what they're doing in something we call Rockfish Church Blitz. So we went through and we analyzed all of our social media platforms, all of our in-house, our realm, all the little things that we use. We listed those out and said, okay, how do we make this easily accessible? In other words, how do we really not just empower them by saying, go do it, but give them the ability to put something in their hand to say, we're going to do this. Hey, join us in the, join us in the fight. That's what moves people from mission to movement. And yeah, my, my staff is going, um, no, yes, maybe we'll figure this out. I'm going, we just need to do this because if it's hard for me, if I can't do something spontaneously, how do we expect them to do it? Because as, as you grow larger, you know, small churches, man, they have such agility. They're like, hey guys, let's do a car wash today. You know, and it's like, yeah, 20 people show up, you're washing cars, you know, you're leading people to Christ, all that. Well, you know, it changes when you get a little larger. It's like a big ship turns a lot slower. Um, fun stuff. But the second thing is, is and we overlook this one. This is where well, I've missed this for years. It's sharing stories. Yeah. Um, right. um, opposition holds opportunity. I believe that. Mm. And this proves this. If you're, if you don't, if you're missing opportunity, there are people who are amassing wealth because of COVID-19. There are people, I, I know it sounds weird, but there are people who are seizing these opportunities and their organizations are coming to prominence out of the opposition. So, so opposition holds opportunity when opportunities are seized and the story is effectively shared. It does something. Mm. It creates, it creates inspiration. Now this is the most powerful form of motivation, inspiration. I'll talk about that at some point, but, but anyway, I think the problem is, I'm sorry. There's a piece, uh, there's a piece that I want to just, I want to underline and get your, your thoughts on before we get too far away from it. So one of the things I've said many times is you can either have growth or control. You can't have both this idea of the blitz and kind of how do we communicate that and then celebrate those stories. I'm sure there are church leaders that are listening in that are saying, wow, that sounds really messy. <laughs> wow, that sounds really decentralized. Um, but it, it doesn't surprise me that it's engaging more people. 
uh, and ultimately growing the church because it, it does have um, there's a bit of a messy edge there. It's 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 uh, it's releasing control in one way. How have you managed that, or how has the church attempted to try to manage that so that it doesn't um, it doesn't get too messy in the midst of you know trying to empower people? Well, I'll be honest with you. It, it's we do the work on the front end. Um, in other words, it, we if 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 we prepare a platform with excellence, and I, I say it this way, I say the more excellence that you operate in, the more pre- prepared you are on the front end, the more agility you have on the back end. You can't be lazy. You have to be a forward thinker. If you don't have good systems, good people and processes in place when you launch something like this, I'm just going to tell you, people will make something out of it. The key is, and, and I will say this, sometimes we do it. Sometimes we just do it. And and I'll look at the staff and I'll say, look, I know we don't have this thing figured out, but I can promise you we do this three times. We will have it figured out. And, you know, everybody just assumes, you know, hey, you got you, you got it figured out when they do it. Um, we do after action a lot. We do after action. Right. But it, I'd rather have an after action than a not after action, which means we did nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> than reviewing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Um, so when you think about then, uh, so, you know, you, I, I, so I, I get a picture of it. You're creating lots of opportunities. You're opening the door. You're, um, you know, doing what you can to make them as easily accessible as possible. Anything else we should be wrestling through when on this whole engagement front? Yeah, we, we have to be honest. I mean, we have to be real honest. Two things or a couple things. One, lack of creati- creativity on our part. Um, lack of having a creative culture. A creative culture doesn't happen. If you, if you haven't created it, you probably don't have one. If you don't have one, if you don't have it in your organization, if you haven't intentionally put it there, you don't. The other one, I'm just going to be honest with you, is laziness and complacency. Look, we've done church so long. We've done it with success. God's blessed us in spite of us very often. But when the rubber hits the road and there is a refining time, like I feel like we're in and we have to really think laziness or complacency, satisfaction. And here's a big one. Here's a big one. Busyness. Uh, These are all... All of these are enemies to obvious opportunities and obvious opportunities are again about getting people to see them for themselves. We're not spoon feeding everybody. There's an expectation that people grow up. Now that takes intentional preparation, which is the third point, which is that's the kind of, that's where we get into the muddy waters. But we do I think how obvious what, what I'm about to say is, and I, I've, I went to, um, went to Colorado out. We were one of the top fastest growing churches in America. And I sat down and we, we met and it's a wonderful opportunity. And I, I'm going to tell you that the pastors that were there, these are kingdom guys. These are not guys who are looking out to build their empires. These were guys who were right. humble. They weren't walking around posturing. And I was like, man, this is awesome. These guys really love God and God's blessing their churches and they're working their butts off. It's not accidental. I mean, people might sit around and assume that, but these guys are, these guys are tight, a lot smarter than I am. Uh, much more, obviously much more well-spoken than I am, but I was, I was, <laughs> but, I, but I was talking about this uh, particular idea of a ministry expo twice a year, every six months, we have to do this. I think a lot of churches should, but we have to, every six months we shut down, we dedicate an entire sermon series to ministry, <clears throat> ministry missions, that something. And we literally shut down for an entire weekend. We do six services a weekend. And we'll shut down uh, that whole weekend and the whole month leads up to all of our ministries, all of our leaders. We rip out the worship center. We take all the chairs around. We set up monitors and it sometimes it looks like a zoo. Um, but right. we, every ministry and every opportunity is presented and and people are compelled to get in the process, do the things necessary to make themselves available to God. And that's the big thing is most people are involved because they're not available. And that's when you have to have intentional preparation. Um, Interesting. 
That's no, so that's fascinating. So on the ministry um, expo, the idea of you know, which I understand that I picture that I've seen you know churches do that. How has that been? Um, you know, what would your advice kind of off the top of you know your head, shooting from the hip, if a church is thinking about adding that kind of thing, what would be a couple potholes to avoid? Things that like, hey, we tried this thing and it, it just didn't work. Um, what would be a few things? Or you've seen kind of common mistakes that people uh, you know have when they consider that kind of um, you know expo at their church? Yeah, we've changed it and we've kind of morphed it. That's one of those things that become culturally acceptable. A uh, first few years we did it, um, it was like I- I'm telling you, it was a party. We had a competition and said, hey, we're going to give you a budget and each ministry to decorate your table. We're going to pick a table that wins. We're going to do drawings. We're going to give away stuff. And, and man, that was great. It worked. And then we begin to grow. Our demographic begin to change somewhat because it's constantly transforming. We have to be so culturally attentive. We have to, you know, you got to know where people are if you're going to get them anywhere. That's the first step. Right. Um, So don't feel like it is so complicated. Make it simple. Mm. Start. Mm. Do it. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, when you're able to enlist 300 volunteers in one weekend, what church is going to complain about that? And, you know, and is it worth it? Yes. If if you really want people to to engage, if you want to get them to a box, that's one thing. But if you want to get them outside of the box to make a difference, you've got to have an opportunity like that, in my opinion. But we've done mm-hmm. it. We've done it year after year. And I can't think of one that we've done over the years that we haven't onboarded at least 100 volunteers. And and that is you talk about a massive infusion. Oh yeah. Now we it's have a huge to, infusion. Yeah, because we have such a turnover, we have to. Um, but I, I was talking to again pastors and leaders at, at you know at the meeting, and they're like, "Wow, you know what? We we should do that." There's a cost to it. There's a cost. Yeah, some people are going to leave. They're going to just they're walk in. There. Oh, there's no service today. There is, but this is the doing of what we've been talking about yes. for the last stinking six months. You know. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Anyway. Well, and and I can imagine that there would be churches that would attempt that and they would do a half measure. Like they would say, hey, instead of like, like you say, we're going to dedicate everything to this deal. I could see the like, well, we're going to have a few tables out in the lobby or we're right. going to do, you know, some scaled down version. And I can, and I can see that a half measure would not work. It wouldn't, um, it wouldn't drive the kind of engagement that um, you really ultimately need. Yeah. Something's better than nothing. And you tell me which ones you don't want to engage and then don't, don't court them. <laughs> so there sure. you go. <laughs> Pick the ones you want to exclude. So yeah, perfect. Now, as you think about this kind of next phase that we're all going in, obviously across the country, you know, we've kind of varying, uh, you know, phases of reentry and reopening. How are you thinking maybe differently about engagement now than you were in the beginning of 2020? Are you, you know, as oh. you're kind of looking to the future, what are some of the, and they, these could be questions that you're asking, or, you know, it's unformed thoughts at this point, but kind of what, what, what are you, as you look up over the horizon a little bit, where, where do you, how do you think you'll, you might shift or change this whole area of trying to drive engagement rather than just attendance? Well, we are, we are probably, we started gathering about six weeks ago. Um, and we are probably one of the largest gathering churches in four or five counties uh, of where we are. Um, we were ahead of the curb in that I talked to the people. We address things very soberly. Um, I put it on them. I said, if you feel safe, do it. If you don't, you, you t- I trust you to do what you need to do. Um, to refine that question down and answer clearly, we're looking at it different. I'll tell you honestly, we're, man, we're looking at going, we have to rebuild. We are starting. We are. St- we nothing is off the table. Uh, you, you, I, I met a guy years ago. He said. He said, Tony, you got to do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. And that is, <laughs> it, it's one of those things. One third of our church has not come back. 
and we've we've contacted them, spoke with them, and there's a good chance one third of our church may not come back, may never come back because people were becoming less and less engaged. Um, that being the case, uh, we are we are doing things, we're implementing things to get people engaged where they are. In other words, we're saying, okay, what can you do from home? So we we created signs. We said, okay, you you can't come to church. We're going to give you some yard signs to invite people to together online. Sounds interesting. Okay. Yeah, we started yeah. doing communion. We did what a lot of people do. You know, we said, hey, we will deliver you communion. We you've got to right. stay engaged. So, and and the the intentional preparation is is keeping the needs, keeping the, the purpose doesn't goes doesn't go away. I don't care what happens. Mm-hmm. We still have mm-hmm. to. The mission has to go forward. And and a lot of that is what I was speaking to earlier, which is the intentional preparation is preparing people for what they're going to face in the real world. It's the very concept of the Unseminary podcast. Man, I love what you're doing. And, you know, how do we do that? And this is this is tough. We answer the questions that people are asking, not the questions they're not. Now, I have a I have a phrase that I'm saying. I have real problems. I need real answers. And, and I believe that the Bible and the Christian worldview is uniquely and powerfully positioned to answer those questions. And the question becomes this. Do we as leaders have the guts to deliver the truth? Because Mm, Bible truth is quickly becoming less politically correct every single day. And there is now a cultural price tag associated with speaking the truth. But the Mm. people want it. They are craving it. They are emboldened emboldened by it. Um, You know, life application teaching, the idea of inspiration, information and instruction. Uh, I think inspiration is a lost for a lost art. I'll just tell you, I think Mm. it is an absolute lost art. Inspiration is the most powerful form of motivation because it comes from the inside, not the outside. And it works something in a person, not on a person. And I believe we've lost the art of inspiration. And I I know we can motivate people and that's fine and that's cool. But how do you inspire people? That's what it's going to take. So maybe something they are personally from the inside out motivated to do. And that's that's the only way engagement's ever going to work. Yeah, I love that. When you think about trying to, again, I've said in, in many contexts that one of the problems is we're we're answering questions no one's asking. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know that's that right. you know we I sometimes see that and I and I that it's like oh yeah like I'm not sure people are wrestling with the question that you're particularly you know talking about. How do you as a communicator and as a church stay tapped into what are the questions, what are the issues that people are wrestling with, or you know maybe even more profoundly the people we're attempting to reach are asking. How do you do that? How how what what kind of rhythms patterns have you adopted? To make that happen. Oh, you're going to hate me when I say this. Um, everybody, everybody's going <laughs> to. No. Yeah. Yeah. I've just I, met. I, man, I, I watch Facebook. I watch the news. Yep. I watch the news. So yep. you see, most of the issues that you see on Facebook and that you see on the news and you see on social media in general, they, they are not political questions. They are, they are moral questions that's been politicized. And what, mm. I've, what I have found out is when we give people clear biblical direction, they are, in, they, they are appreciated. They are they are appreciative. They are liberated in their minds and in their thinking. Again, and we have an activist culture. People want what works. I mean, they, we tried. I, you know, I was I was so blown away. I was in a in a in a meeting with a congressman recently and several other pastors, a lot of pastors. And somebody said, you know, we just don't know what to do. And I am sitting there in awe, going, I know what to do. 
It's the gospel that changes the world. You can't change a man with a law. It didn't work for God. Why do you think it's going to work for you? A man has to be changed from the inside out. And and when we really take those issues, those big ones, there's there's very let's be honest. I did a I did a series called The Political Controversies of of Jesus. And Jesus, if you, if you think about it, everything he talked about then, he would not fit very well today. I mean, it just it would he 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 addressed everything and he was just right to the heart of the matter. People are desiring that kind of clarity in addressing these issues boldly. They're tired. And and I, I say this subjectively, of course, but I think people are tired from, from spineless pastors and leaders. They're tired of hearing from them. They want, to, they want somebody to say what they're thinking, especially if it's right. If, it, if it's not the truth, shut up. But if it's the truth, man, why are you ashamed to, why are you ashamed to say it? And again, there's a price tag. It may, I think church growth has been horrible. But we've been liberated from church growth because they're online now, you know, and they're either giving and supporting you or they're not. I, you know, I was absolutely blown away. We went, the church shut down, man, our, our giving went up. So I'm like, these people are, man, that's because they had a purpose that they knew needed to go forward no matter what. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. I, you know, I think um, many of us, I think may shy away from, you know, and you said it, and I thought it was interesting. I saw this in our, in our kind of pre-notes, which I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea that, um, you know, there are kind of political conversations that are, have an underlying uh, moral question behind them or a question that, that really is kind of of ultimate consequence. How do you seek to address those issues rather than kind of the the lower issue which is just becoming political just kind of degenerating into right. you know you know kind of like let's deal with the political stuff that's in front of us how how give us maybe give us an example of that kind of flesh that out a little bit more cuz i think there's a key learning there for communicators for sure yeah yeah i'll give you one one i don't adopt the narrative I don't adopt the speaking mm. point. I adopt the Christian worldview. It's a no-brainer. Racism is huge now, huge. And people are going, well, I don't – listen, I do not support the organization Black Lives Matter. I research the organizations that I, that I support. I know what they stand for. There's a political agenda associated with that organization. People may get mad at me for saying that, but that's, that's just there. Go look at it and look what they're pushing. The idea – it's a Christian idea that all men are are created equal. That's ours. Why am I going to give the narrative away to somebody else when it's something that we teach on? In, in that idea, I'll just let me t- I'll tell you the boldness. If you think you can ever eradicate hatred or lawlessness from the human heart outside of the power of the gospel, you're deceiving yourself. And we got a million laws. Listen, police brutality is already illegal. Okay, and it works for law-abiding citizens, but we're not dealing with law-abiding citizens. So, what's the answer? Well, we transform them from the inside out through the power of the gospel. And and you know, and 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 if a pastor can't say that, it's like us. We're sitting here. Our culture has cancer. We have the chemo for the culture, the chemo for the cancer, right. and we're not. And we're going to adopt another narrative that has a that has a uh, political you know implication. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, that's no, one example. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. No, that's really good. I appreciate that. And I, I, I think there's a key learning there for, you know, for us as communicators, for people who are attempting to try to help their churches make, uh, you know, a, a connection to, you know, the broader culture. Anything else you'd love to share just as we kind of wrap up the episode? This has been so helpful uh, and inspiring for folks uh, today as we've been listening in. I've probably said enough to get you in trouble already, but I would like... <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I would like to hit on just a, 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 some some keys that I have or that I see to 
to inspiration, inspiring people. Uh, one, and, and these are three that we all know, and there's no substitute for these because this is what people are looking for. The keys to truly, authentically inspiring someone is just that transparency, authenticity, and integrity. And when we walk in those things, our level of boldness, our level of clarity is increased and it speaks to the core because that is what our culture, that's what people are looking for from, from the beginning of time transparency, authenticity, and integrity. We want to know who we're dealing with. And empowerment leads to, in, to engagement. Um, it's huge. It's, it's just so important. And we empower people to, to be inspired as we live lives that are authentically transparent, authentic in nature, uh, and, and we're filled with integrity. We do what we say and we say what we're going to do, even if it's to our own hurt. So that's what I would that's what I would say concerning dude. That. That's great, Su- super helpful today, Pastor Tony. I appreciate you being on the show and taking time out to be with us. Um, if people want to track with you or with the church, where should we send them? Where where do we want to send them online to connect with you? Now go to the Bible. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, uh, rockfishchurch.com. I do have a a blog that I have woefully neglected. Uh, it's it's tonymcvickers.com. Um, I'm switching over to a video based and I'll just tell you, we've been running around with our hair on fire. So, uh, not, not incorporating a whole lot of new stuff, but yeah, rockfishchurch.com, YouTube, we're all at the same places. Perfect. Appreciate that, Tony. Thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>